Okay, we're going to finish with our series on right and wrong thinking. Amen? Amen. Right and wrong thinking. God bless you all here and God bless you on Zoom. Hallelujah. And we're going to conclude today. God bless his word. Now, we've been talking about right and wrong thinking and we use the book of Job to explain or to, to, to talk about how Job responded to difficulty, how Job responded to tragedy. So the Bible says that there was a day that the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came along to present himself. Meanwhile, Job was the most righteous man in the East. Very, very righteous, one who shunned evil and was very, very righteous. And the Bible says that when Satan presented himself to the Lord, he asked God, God, do you consider Job for nothing? Hallelujah. I hope everything is okay with the sound. Do you, do, do you consider Job for nothing? Do you not know that Job has, you've put a hedge of protection around Job, around his house, around his life, around every aspect of his life? Can you not see that you have, he, he has a hedge of protection? That is the reason why he has not cursed you to your face. And then God said, I give you permission to do anything you want to do to Job. Just don't touch his body. And the Bible says that Satan left the presence of the Lord. And then his businesses were destroyed. His whole livelihood was destroyed. Everything was destroyed. His children were killed. And he had nothing left. And when the servants came to him, they all came to him at once. Everyone was coming to him, telling him that things were not going well. So Job was so sad, was so distressed that he just fell to his, his, his feet and just cried. He shaved his head. He, he tore his robes and then just said, naked I came into this world. Naked will I leave. The Lord gave the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Think about it. Then the Bible says that then the, another day, God, uh, 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 the angels and the sons of God presented themselves before the Lord and Satan also. And then God asked Satan, where have you been? And he said, I've been to and fro the earth. Of course, Peter says that Satan as a roaring lion roameth about, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So Satan telling God that I've been walking to and fro the earth means that he's been looking for someone to devour on the earth. He's been walking to and fro to search for someone he can destroy. Then God said, have you considered my servant Job? Have you seen that he didn't curse me, that he's perfect and he shuns evil and he's very upright? Then Job said, it's because I have not touched his body. If you like, remove your covering and your hedge of protection from Job and you see that he will curse you to the face. Then God said, I give you permission to do anything you want to do to Job's body. Just make sure that you don't touch his life. So it means that people can get sick. People can get cancer. People can get, people can get all sorts of diseases. But God could have given permission for their bodies to be afflicted, but their life will not be taken. Look at Joel Austin's mother, who had a very rare, aggressive form of cancer, who outlived her husband. Hallelujah. And I also talk about Paul Crouch and Jan Crouch. Jan Crouch had colon cancer, but she outlived her husband. So God told Satan that I give you permission to do anything 
anything. So the fact that someone has cancer or someone has a, a terminal disease does not mean that they will die. Because it's God who decides. Hallelujah. And God is the king and God is the healer and God loves us and God will make sure that nothing evil happens to us. Can I have an amen? So the Bible says that when Satan left the presence of the Lord, Satan smote Job with boils from the crown or the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And his friends started to accuse him falsely that, oh, maybe it's because you've sinned. Maybe it's because you've done something evil. That is why God is punishing you. So God was angry with the friends. So it means that you and I must be careful not to attribute something bad happening to someone, meaning that the person has done evil. Meaning that the fact that something bad is happening to someone does not mean that they have sinned. That's why Jesus and the apostles saw a blind man born blind. And then the apostles asked Jesus, who did sin that this man was born blind? Was it he or his parents? Then Jesus said, neither he nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God will be manifested in him. So sometimes you and I cannot just assume that someone has done wrong or God is punishing someone for their sins. Maybe God is actually bragging on the person. Maybe someone is going through a difficulty because God is bragging on them. So you and I should really be very careful because the Bible says that God was angry with Job's friends. Now let's look at Job chapter 42 and let's start from verse 6. Job chapter 42 from verse 6. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken the words unto Job, the Lord said unto Elahaz, the Terminite, my wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. So God was angry with them because they were accusing Job that maybe he did something wrong. And then verse uh, uh, 9. If I said 6, but it's okay, just for time's sake. So verse 9. So Elihaz the Terminite and Bildad and Shuhite and Zohar, very fantastic names, the Namathite, went and did according as the Lord commanded them, and the Lord accepted Job. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So when you read from verse 6, it says that God told the friends to pray, to ask Job to pray for them. And when Job prays for them, God will hear Job, and God will deliver them from evil or from his punishment. And Job did it and God turned the captivity of Job around and gave Job twice as much as he had. So what was Job's response to tragedy? Job's response to tragedy was to worship God and to keep his integrity and to have the right mindset, to have the right way of thinking, to know that God is in control, God gave and God has taken away, the Lord is blessed and that is the conclusion. Hallelujah. Of course, it's easier said than done. If something happens, God forbid, to any of us, it's not going to be easy to just say, the Lord give, the Lord take it away, blessed be the name of the Lord. It's going to be more complicated than that. Hallelujah. But Job was the most upright and perfect man on the earth. And yet, Job did not sin against God. Job rather cursed the day he was born. Job never charged God falsely. So you and I must have the right mindset when we go through things. Hallelujah. And the best way to get the right mindset is the way we think. Hallelujah. Then we read from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, just quickly. 
Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our minds must be, must be renewed. When our minds are renewed, then we will be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, when you read from after Job 42, 10, the Bible says that God gave Job twice as much as he had. God, gave Job, God caused Job to see over four, uh, about four generations. God blessed Job. God gave Job. The Bible says that Job's daughters were the most fairest. Well, of course, it doesn't mean color, but the beauty, the most beautiful daughters around in the whole area, and all, in all the land where no woman found so fair as the daughters of Job. And their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. Continue. After this lived Job 140 years after, and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. So God, and Job died being old and full of days. There's a difference between long life and full of days. Long life is length of days, but full of days means full of prominence, full of blessing, full of God's gift and blessings for your life. Hallelujah. So the Bible says that because of how Job responded to tragedy, God blessed Job and God gave Job twice as much as he had, gave him so much and he lived a good full life and God gave him the grace to forget his pain, to forget his pain. So God, God compensated and comforted Job. Hallelujah. So what does Proverbs 23, 7 say? Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. So as you and I think in our hearts, so are we. What do you see yourself as? Do you see yourself as the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ? Do you see yourself as a victor? Do you see yourself as a conqueror? I don't see myself as a conqueror. I see myself as more than a conqueror. Because the Bible says that we are more than conquerors. Do you see yourself as a failure? Do you see yourself as someone who lives on barely get along street off Gramble Alley? Or you see yourself as someone who lives on Victory Street off Blessing Alley? Oh, glory to God. Am I saying something to somebody? Hallelujah. Then the Bible also says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So you and I, God wants us to protect what enters into our hearts. Very important to protect what comes into my heart. Because it first has to get into my mind before it gets into my heart. So I must make sure that I have a sieve. And that sieve is the word of God. If it's not wholesome, it is not, if, if it is not in line with scriptures, if it's not going to be Bible-based, if it's not going to edify me, then I must make sure that it doesn't go from my mind to my heart. I must remove it. Hallelujah. Only the things that will help me and edify me that must enter into my heart. So the Bible says, keep your heart or guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Hallelujah. Then we also talked about the fact that Ephesians 4.27 says, give no place to the devil. Some people say that, oh, the devil made me do it and I couldn't control it. We can. We can. Give no place to the devil. When the devil tells you a nice something, the devil tells us that we are going down, tell the devil that I will not give you any place. I'm not going down, I'm going up. If the devil tells us that we are sinking, 
will tell the devil that it's not possible for me to sing because I'm standing on God's word and God's word cannot sing. And if God's word cannot sing, I cannot sing. Hallelujah. Give no place to the devil. You and I must have the right mindset, the right way of thinking. Hallelujah. Then we said that Satan specializes in worry, fear, anxiety, confusion, doubt, etc., etc. Then 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, I don't know if you guys are hearing what I'm talking about. Are you? Yeah. For though we walk in the flesh, or we live a natural human life in the body, we do not war after the flesh. Our warfare is not natural, human, normal way of living. That is not our warfare. That's not how we fight. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, are not of the mind, are not physical, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds or fortresses, which is all connected to the mind. Strong reasonings and thought processes, ideas that are so strong in our minds that nothing can take it away. You can explain, give statistics, give all the explanations you want to prove that, look, what you are thinking about, the way you are thinking is wrong, but the person will never believe it. It is only the word of God that is able to pull down strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So this means that the greatest battlefield you and I will have is in our minds. So you and I must protect our minds to make sure that we are in the winning race. And the winning race or the winning team is the team of Jesus Christ, is the team of the word, is the team of renewing our minds. Remember Romans chapter 12 verse two says, when our minds are renewed or transformed by the word, then we will be able to prove the good, the perfect, the acceptable will of God. Hallelujah. What do you think? Then we also talk about even answered prayer, how to think when we are praying to God for, for, for God to give us answered prayer. James 1, 5 to 8. James 1, 5 to 8. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Now, this is a nice promise. If anyone lacks wisdom and acknowledges that they don't have wisdom, they should ask, ask God who gives to everyone liberally and does not withhold or rebuke for asking, and it shall be given that person. But that person should ask in faith, nothing wavering or nothing doubting, for he that wavereth, other versions say doubteth, is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. What does this mean? God, I'm praying for healing. Or I'm praying for a financial breakthrough. Then the devil tells us that, no. Didn't you see that God didn't give it to you last year? Didn't you see that God didn't give it to John Jackson? He's not going to give it to you. Oh. He won't give it to me. Then you go to church or you hear a message or you have your quiet time and God encourages you that he's going to give it to you. Oh, yes, God is going to give it to me. Then the devil tells you, no, he's not going to give it to me. Oh, maybe he's not going to give it to me. Then you get a word of encouragement. Yeah, God is going to give it to me. Then some friends tell you an evil report or tell you that, look, it didn't work for this person. This person died of this disease. Oh, God is not going to give it to me. You are wavering. You are doubting. You are being tossed. 
Yes, he's giving it to me. No, he's not giving it to me. Yes, he's giving it to me. Look at it in NLT. How many are getting me? Yeah. NLT, please. But when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to answer. For a doubtful mind is as unsettled as a wave of the sea. That is driven and tossed by the wind. I'll repeat that again. But when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to answer. For a doubtful mind is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 7. People like that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So now this is very important. Now this verse is saying that anytime we ask God for something we doubt, we should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So how can we make sure that we don't have doubtful minds? The word. Romans 10, 17. So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hallelujah. Hearing by the word of God. So you and I, God wants us to renew our minds through the word, to know that God is going to give us what he has promised. Look at John 15, 7. If ye abide or remain in me, and my words abide or remain in you, you see that the words of Jesus again, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Because when God's word comes into us, our minds will be changed and our hearts will be full of faith. Because faith is of the heart. Faith, there is hope and there is faith. God, I've heard the word. I'm trusting you for a breakthrough. Your word says it. Hope. Because we've heard the word. Faith has not been generated yet. It's only hope. Hope is of the mind. Hope is through studying the scriptures. But as you and I ponder upon the word over and over and over again, then it moves from the mind to the heart and faith is generated. And there is a guarantee for answered prayer. Hallelujah. Look at Romans 14, 15, 4. Romans 15, 4 says, for all, for, for yeah, let, let's get it. Hallelujah. Romans 15, 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. So you see that for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. You and I have hope through the word of God. It gives us hope. Hope is for future. Hope is future. Hope is, you don't have anything of substance with hope. That's why we hope for the resurrection. I don't have my resurrected body yet. I hope for Christ's return. Christ has not returned yet. There's nothing I can do about it. It's a future thing. But faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith brings substance to hope. So faith brings a future thing, which is hope, which is not material, and brings materiality to hope. Then hope becomes tangible, and you see the results. Hallelujah. But that comes by meditating. That's why Joshua 1.8, God knew that, look, we have to meditate upon a word day and night. After As we meditate upon it, then it will move from the mind to the heart, and faith will come. And once faith comes, we are victorious. Once faith comes, we have overcome. 
So meditate upon the word. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, mouth, but thou shalt meditate upon it day and night. Meditate. Meditate means to matter and to ponder upon it. Matter, speak it out, speak it out, ponder upon it. Thou shalt meditate upon it day and night that thou mayest observe to do, because if you don't meditate upon it, you will not observe to do. You, you will not be careful to do it. According to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So you and I will see that it is as we meditate upon the word over and over and over again, then faith comes. Once faith comes, First John 5, 4 and 5 apply. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Glory to God. Then the world is overcome. I said, then the world is overcome. Then we walk in victory. Then we make our way prosperous and we have good success. For whatsoever is born of God or initiated of God overcometh the world. And we achieve this victory over the world through our faith, which comes by pondering upon the word of God. Now this word, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This actually, this, this, there's no time to go into it, but this is the rhema. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We'll talk about it another time. Hallelujah. Just for time's sake. But you realize that I need faith for finances, or I need faith for healing, or I need faith for uh, uh, whatever it is. You and I, we need a word from God, a rhema from God through the Logos to give us that word that will apply to our lives for faith to be generated. What am I saying? What is the Logos? Jesus Christ is not the rhema, it's the Logos. In the beginning was the Logos, the Logos was, the go was with God, and the Logos was God. Logos is the complete, entire word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, the Rhema is from the Logos, so it's like a, a, a pool of water, the Logos. And then a bucket or a, a cup of water from the pool is the Rhema. But you and I need the Rhema because it applies to our ex uh, problems or it applies to our lives and it is exactly the word we need for a particular situation. Hallelujah. So you and I need it, but we need to continue. Otherwise, we'll not finish. I want to finish this today and then we'll talk about the remind logos. But how many I get what I'm saying? So that's why we need, if we don't have the logos, or we don't read the Bible, we don't know the entirety of the Bible, we don't study the Bible, there will be no, how, how, where, where is the rhema going to come from? Because the rhema is a portion of the logos that is relevant for you and I at a particular time. Hallelujah. That's why we need the word. Praise God. So you and I, Philippians 4, 8, we must have positive thinking. Amen? We must think positively we must trust God. Hallelujah. Now look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. As we wind down. Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Therefore, let's use ESV, please. Right and wrong thinking, which comes from the word, making sure we don't allow things that are not good to enter into 
our minds, and our hearts. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what will you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into bands. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So God wants you and I to have the mindset of not worrying. Do not worry about anything. Do not worry, but rather be confident that if the grass which is beautiful and is thrown into the oven, God is able to array them nicely. And the birds of the air, God is able to look after them. How much more you and I who were created in his image? How much more you and I? So you and I should know that the key thing to do is to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness and everything that we need will be given to us. But the ones who rather seek those things are the Gentiles. So God wants us to have the mindset of trusting God, depending upon God for everything. Hallelujah. Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing or do not have any anxiety about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not have any anxiety about anything, but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Wow. The Bible is saying that do not be, do not fret. Do not, the, the King James says, be anxious for nothing. But this, this, the, let's keep it in ESV. It says, do not be anxious about anything. It's easier said than done. Apostle Paul, the Holy Ghost was speaking through Apostle Paul to the church at Philippi and saying that do not be anxious about anything. It's, a, it's, it's, it's something that you and I should strive to do. It's not easy when things are going wrong. But even science, when there's a lot of anxiety, when there's a lot of anxiety and stress, it impairs our health. So this is a good teaching that do not be anxious about anything. 
do not worry about anything. So it means that when you and I start to worry or we are tempted to worry, then we must remember Philippians 4, 6. Then the word is being applied to our lives. Oh, I'm about to worry. Oh, God, what should I do? Then I remember I should not be anxious about anything. It will come. We will be anxious, but as soon as the anxiety comes, God will bring to our remembrance the scriptures. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, earnest and treaties and speaking to God with thanksgiving, there must be thanksgiving in it. There must be thanksgiving. We must thank God in all things. Let your requests be made known unto God. You are not thanking God because you lost a loved one. You are not thanking God because you've lost a lot of money. You are not thanking God because things didn't go well. You are thanking God that in spite of what happened, God is going to see you through. You are thanking God that God has given you the victory. You are thanking God that, yes, he's taking you out of it. You know that he has, not that he's going to. He has already taken you out of the problem. That's why you are thanking God. You are praying to God and you are thanking him. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now keep it here. Mark chapter 11 verse 24 says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them. I hope you can get fast there because I'll be very quickly. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. So, how do you believe you received? God, um, I pray that you give me a, a house. How did I receive? When I received the house, what do I do? I thank him. So, I thank God because I believed I've received. Now, the, the verse. So, be careful for nothing, but in prayer, and you see, and thanksgiving, let your request be known. We're still waiting for the verse, please. So next time, just keep it at that verse because of time. Be careful for nothing. Or be do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God with thanksgiving. So thanksgiving must be attached to it as our requests are being made known unto God. Because God wants to know that we believe that he has given it to us. Then what will happen? Then the peace of God. The peace of God which passeth understanding, which beats the understanding. Verse 7, the peace of God which passeth understanding will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Our mind to be guarded, our heart to be guarded. By the peace of God. Why? Because when you pray to God and you are not anxious about anything and you are thankful to God, God will give you a certain assurance and God will grant you your request. So there will be a certain peace that comes from God because you are thanking him and you are trusting him. A certain peace that comes from God which will surpass all understanding. It will surpass other people's understanding and it will surpass your understanding and my understanding. And that peace will guard, protect, secure our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. But the key is our minds must be changed. Our minds must always remember that anytime we are anxious, no, I'm not going to allow anxiety to get me. 
Yes, I'm anxious, but I'm going to fight it. No, I'm going to trust the word of God. I'm going to push myself and I'm going to trust God not to be anxious. No, I'm not going to have anxiety. I'm going to trust God and I'm going to pray to God and I'm going to thank him because I really believe. Sometimes you can start thanking God not in faith. Glory to God. But as you start to thank him, then faith kicks in. Oh, God, I thank you. Lord, I bless you. Thank you for what you've done for me. It starts in the flesh, but it ends in the spirit. Am I saying something to someone? And then the peace of God, which passeth understanding, will guard, will guard, will guard our minds and our hearts through Christ Jesus. So you and I, as I wrap up, let's also be careful what we say. That's the final. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you say. Because what we say can affect us. Proverbs 18, 21. Proverbs 18, 21. The Bible says, death and life, 21 please, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall, will eat its fruits. The King James says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those that love it shall eat the fruits thereof. So death and life are in the power of the tongue. Let's use uh, 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 NLT for this. And let's see what it says. Those who love to talk will experience the consequences, for the tongue can kill or nourish life. It's very true. There's a true story I heard of. Uh, two, well, I'll quickly say two of them. A man's auntie he loved, who looked after her, was dying of a disease, and she was suffering. She was suffering in pain. And he said it with all his heart. Oh, God, I wish my auntie would not experience this pain. Oh, if I, if, if I would do everything to take that pain from her, I wish I can bear it for her. He died before her. Death and life. He said, oh, okay, I'll repeat it again. A man's auntie who he loved and raised him was sick and ready to die, was suffering in pain. Whether it was cancer, we're not sure what it was, but she was in pain and in agony. And he, he loved her so much, and in the hospital one day, he was saying to himself with all his heart, oh God, my auntie is suffering. I wish I would take her pain with her. I, 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 I wish I can experience some of the pain to relieve her of her pain. He died before her. Because he's, he, he, he got what he asked for. Death and life. There's a guy who had a pimple. Though maybe it was, it was not a pimple initially. But he had a pimple. Hey, this pimple will kill me. This pimple will kill me. This pimple will kill me. Until it became a cancer and he died of it. Now, it could be that it was already a cancer. And he might have rather been saying that this is not going to kill me. I confess that this is going to go. Instead of saying that, he kept saying it will kill me until he died. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
and they that love it shall eat the fruits thereof. The tongue is so powerful. That's why the whole debate between God and Satan was what Job would say with his mouth. The tongue is so powerful that John the Baptist's father, Zachariah's mouth, he had to be dumb. So what we say can change our destiny. Especially when we say it with belief. There's a guy who lost a lot in church and was crying to me and said, oh, I'm cursed. What a life. Why have I come to this world to suffer? I said, no, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. You and I must not think that way. Things might happen, but you and I must always speak life. Speak life. Look at Proverbs 6.2. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 2 says that if you have trapped your word by your agreement and are caught by what you said. Now use ESV for this. Just verse 2 please. ESV. And then King James. If you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth. ESV, NESB, King James are just about the same. Uh, King James says, thou art snared by the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken by the words of thy mouth. So what you and I say with the words of our mouths can ensnare us, can catch us, can trap us, can put us in a net. What we say. Are we going to speak life or we are going to give the devil a tool against us? Because you and I, we, what we say, God has given us power in what we say. That's why God says, if thou shalt say with thy mouth, Mark eleven twenty three. 23, uh, 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 have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, for whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Say with thy mouth, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed be thou uh, uh, removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he seeth shall come to pass he therefore she shall have whatsoever she seeth he seeth so it means that if what I say can move a mountain because I say it in faith then when I'm saying something negative about myself and I believe it why should it not happen when the good one happens the Bible says that Jesus Christ, the apostle and high priest of our profession, consider him the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. So what we say can affect us. So you and I should never say, I can't. When I'm working with people who are always, no, we can't. Oh, it won't work. I, 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 I don't like it. I, I'm always looking for a way to replace such people. I, I can't. No, it cannot work. Oh, uh, uh, no, no, it, it won't work. No, it, it, no, it don't, don't, don't take it. No, don't accept it. No, it's, it's not going to work. Uh, 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 it will fail. But we are Christians. Why will it fail? It will fail. Yeah. Oh, he, he, no, he won't accept it. No, he's, he's going to reject it. No. We must have faith. He will accept it. It didn't work for 10 people, but... I have nothing to do with the 10 people. What I know is that Jesus is my Lord, and Jesus said, I can say, and it will happen. That is it. So you and I should not say, we can't. I cannot. We cannot. I am sick. 
if I'm not feeling well, most of the time, I'm not feeling well, but I'm sick. No. My sinuses, my condition, their condition. Not my condition. Their condition. Because I didn't take it. I didn't accept it. Blind Bartimaeus did not accept his condition when he saw Jesus. He had a cloak. He had a cloak. And that cloak was given to every blind person. Just like the stick. Because in those days, they had horses. And sometimes when they are rushing, if they don't see that you have the cloak, to show you are blind, you can die. They can just walk over you, run over you. So he had his cloak to identify that he was blind. Then he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. Then he shouted, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. Yeshua ben David, have mercy upon me. But Jesus was passing by. Then the people around him started to shout, stop it, stop it. You are making noise. Keep quiet. He's not going to call for you. Keep quiet. That's what the devil tells us many times. When we are praying, the devil tells us, look, don't waste your time. It's not going to work. Don't bother. It didn't work for John. It didn't work for Susan. It didn't work for whoever. It's not going to work for you. But he kept on shouting the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. Then Jesus called him. As soon as Jesus called him, he realized that, hey, if Jesus of Nazareth has called me, then I better remove my cloak. I don't need it any longer. Because the fact that he's called me, it means that I'm totally healed. I don't need it. So it was even faith for him to remove his, his, his cloak. Then he went to Jesus, and Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? I want to see. And Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. You are, you are healed. Hallelujah. So you and I must not accept the condition. Asthma, my asthma, my sickle cell, my uh, 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 arthritis. No, there. There. Hallelujah. Rather say, I was and God has delivered. I was and God has delivered. So I want to encourage you to have the right confession. Have the right attitude. Look at Paul and Silas, Acts 16, 25 to uh, uh, to 34. The Bible says that their backs were bleeding. Imagine I've gone to preach the gospel and I've been put in jail and they are lashing me. I might not have said what Apostle Paul said. I would have said to myself, oh God, why? why? I've gone to preach. Why have you done this? What, what, I mean, is that how you treat your servant? But I pray that I'll be like Apostle Paul. Because as they were preaching, a damsel who had the spirit of divination, he, they cast out the devil out of the, the girl, and there was chaos. They were put in jail, in the innermost jail, and they were secured in chains, and their backs were bleeding because they had been caned or whipped or flogged, and their backs were bleeding. Now, I've told you what I'll do. I'm sure most of us will not be clapping. But I pray that God, God will not give us that opportunity to experience that. But he will know in our hearts that we would do what Apostle Paul did. Because I don't want to be in that situation. I don't think any of us do. But we just want God to know that we will do this. And at midnight, so their backs were bleeding. And then at literal midnight, and we can also say the midnight in someone's life or the midnight of someone's life. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Let me tell you a true, interesting thing that might make you laugh. 
a pastor was preaching powerfully and jumping and shouting, Paul and his wife Silas. But Silas is a man, not, it's not, it wasn't his wife. <laughs> and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang. In fact, let's use ESV for this because King James says and sang praises to God, but it's, more, it's, 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 it's a bit different. Uh, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. So it was a continuous thing as they were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners heard them. Let's go back. And the other prisoners heard them or were listening to them. Now let's keep it there, please. The 25. Thank you. Now this is very important because... If they were in the innermost jail, when you read this uh, uh, earlier on, they were put in the innermost jail. So for the other prisoners to be listening to them meant that they were singing, shouting, and it was very loud. Hallelujah. So the Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. After being whipped, after their backs bleeding, they are singing praises to God. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. You see, when Satan brings a problem that he tries to cause to put us down, and God takes us out of it, and God, see, and, 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 and God sees that we are keeping our integrity, that we are trusting him, that we are praising him, that we are praising him in the midst of storm, what will happen is that the prisons or the problem will be destroyed. The Bible says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. The foundation of the problem will be shaken. It will be shaken when we are praising God. Very soon I'll talk about the praise cure. Praise cures and solves every problem. The praise cure. They were praising God. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaking and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Hallelujah. So you and I, instead of complaining praise, instead of saying God, what a miserable life. I'm sad. I'm sad. Uh, I, if I get a chance, I'll go. I, I, I don't want to be in this world. But we are better off than many others. And God wants us to have a good attitude. A good attitude of praise. A good attitude of thanksgiving. A good mindset of, look, thanking God whether in the midst of some thanking God in all things, in all things give thanks to God because if we knew the complete picture, if we could see the complete picture, we would praise God. Look at Joseph. Joseph, if he, he, if he cursed God, he would, he would have made a big mistake because jo Joseph didn't know that God was setting him up to be prime minister. If Joseph could take it back, I mean, start all over again, he would not have changed anything. He would not have changed anything. Most people who go through difficulties and God sees them through and God puts them at a higher level, if they had the chance to go back, they will not change anything. 
So that's why God says in all things give praise. In all things give thanks because you and I don't know. Th that is the will of God because God has good plans for us. Plans of good and not of evil to bring you and I to an expected end. So God says in all things give thanks unto God for that is the will of God. It is the will of God because God has good plans for us. He plans to take us to a good hope, a good future, a good destiny. Plans of good and not of evil to bring you and I to an expected end. Hallelujah. Shall we just stand to our feet and give praise to God as we conclude? Hallelujah. And let's speak to the Lord. Let's just ask God to show us more grace. Ask God to give us the grace to have the right mindset. See the right things. Confess the right things. Get the word of God in, which will change our confession. Lord, change my confession through your word. Give me a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude to you, O oh God. Give me the heart of praise, to praise you in all things. In all things, may I praise you. May I give you thanks. May I speak life. May I speak life. May I speak things that would build me up, edify me and others. May we know that you have plans for us, plans of welfare, not of evil, to give us a future and a hope, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor, wonderful Jesus. And we pray that you cause us to walk in the light of your word. May we walk in the light of your word. Draw us deeper into your word of truth, into your love for us. In the name of Jesus. We want to get deeper into your word of truth. We want to get deeper into your love for us. May we always think about things that are true, things that are honest, things that are just, things that are lovely, things that are of good report, things that are praiseworthy. May we think on such things, Lord. Cause us to guard our hearts and minds with all diligence. In the name of Jesus. Just ask the Lord to touch your heart. Touch my heart, Lord. Touch my heart, Lord. If you can use anything, Lord, use me for your glory. If you can use anything, Lord, use me. Yes, Lord. Use me for your glory. Make me a vessel you can use, Lord. 
Ask him to use you to touch you, to make you a man, a woman of faith. Use me, Jesus. If you can use anything, use me. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for increasing our faith. Thank you for drawing us deeper into your word of truth. Thank you for giving us a right mindset and a right confession as we get deeper into your word of truth. Cause us to have a joyful and a thankful heart. May we, may we thank you in all things. May we bless you with all our soul and forget not your benefits. For you forgive all our sins and heal all our diseases and you crown us with righteousness. You cause us to be righteous by faith in you, Lord Jesus. We bless you and we love you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Whilst we are praying, if you don't know Jesus, you are watching, you are around, you don't know Jesus, you're on Zoom. <clears throat> and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you know in your heart that you are far away from God, if you know in your heart that if you die today, you do not know whether you would go to heaven or hell. But you want Jesus Christ to save you. You want to accept him as your Lord and Savior. Then I want you to repeat after me, including all of us. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that his blood was shed for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart and come into my life. Please forgive me for all my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. From today, I belong to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Father God, we thank you for those who have given their lives to you. In 
Jesus' name, amen. We may take our seats in the presence of the Lord. <coughs> Hallelujah. Okay, so we'll just say a bye-bye to those on social media, and then we will continue. God bless you, those on social media, those online viewers. I want to say God be with you. But of course, those in, yes, God bless, I see those on Zoom, amen. But we would um, be taking communion, so those on Zoom should get ready for communion shortly. God bless you, those on, online viewers, and I want to say shalom, shalom. God be with you till we meet again, God willing. Shalom, shalom. <laughs>